99 drinks still left to go Welcome all in and enjoy the show It's me though, with I'm the host You know, so sit back, relax, grab a snack and let's go No, no, my hooky, my welcome on in or welcome back to the 99 Dreams podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rawari, and we always, always, always try to scour to bring you guys the best guests. And today is no different. We've got an amazing photographer. Of course, have to bring in another Māori because we just love to lift up our Māori whānau. And the brother's located down there in Christchurch. So, without further ado, Tiwi, let's welcome on brother Max Tiwika. Kia ora mai Welcome on the show. Oh, tēnā koe Brother, thank you so much for jumping on. Eh? We truly do appreciate it. But before we begin, can you just give us a bit of a call why Norway, who you are and where you're from? Yeah, ka pai. Um, well, tēnā tātou e tiwi. Ko wai hoki tēnei, ko Max Tiwika talking what. Huri huno kaitahu ka te māmoi waitaha um, me ngā rauru hoki ki te tahau tōku pāpā. Um, yeah, kia ora, I'm Max. Um, yeah, descend from on my mother's side, from the lines of uh, Ngaitahu and all the different iwi and, you know, whānau that we've got down here. Then on my father's side, uh, whakapapa back to Ngāruru Kitahi, um, around South Taranaki area. So, yeah, shout out to them. Sure. Yeah, love the Taranaki maunga up in here. We love the Taranaki maunga up in here. Myself, te ati awa, uh, Taranaki me Ngāti Maru. Um, so... Always got love for our Taranaki whānau up on this podcast, my bro. 100%. 100%. <laughs> One question I would like to ask is the the most common perception about um, Ōtautahi or Christchurch is that it, it's not the most Māori of places in all of Aotearoa. What yeah. was it like growing up down there as a Māori in Ōtautahi? Well, it was actually... Um... It wasn't until I was kind of like at high school and just leaving high school that I realized I was growing up being Māori in a not very Māori place. Um, I think my origins was kind of like it's, uh, I don't know, like I grew up in North Canterbury area, quite rural, um, played rugby out there, um, went to primary school out there as well, and then went to um, went to the, into the city to go to high school. And um, honestly, like not being raised with the language or really even knowing where I'm from, um, that was kind of the norm for lots of Māori there. Um, So we kind of all had this kind of like a, you know, this kind of look about us, but also um, didn't really talk and walk in the ways that Māori did. Um, But, you know, that kind of led us into some interesting situations. You get some funny conversations with people when they don't realise that you're Māori and then you're just like, hey, what's going on there? (laughs) But, you know, um, I guess... It's different, but it's also kind of, there's probably a lot of relatable situations to all over the Motu as well. Um, But yeah. 100%. And it's funny when you find yourself in those situations. I don't think so much these days. I think a lot of people um, are very understanding that not all of us Māori are as as brown as we would want to (laughs) be. So... It, 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 you find yourself, you know, in, in a slight awkward position, like, oh, I don't have my because I'm Maori too, my bro. And they're like, oh, shucks. <laughs> How did you sort of navigate those situations? Um, I'd say that a lot of what I am, um, well, it, it would be a very different situation if I was able to kind of rely on Maori tongue and be, you know, be able to use te reo, be able to use um, 
like the fact that I'll go back to my marae and things like that back in the day, but that really wasn't there. So there was quite a lot of, uh, I guess, dealing with it in ways that you'd quite often see with, you know, the whole intergenerational trauma things, you know, not really able to assign this kind of feeling that you're getting from the interaction with the people, um, like to anything that really makes sense until, you know, later in life when you realize like, oh, shucks, actually I was put into that situation because like I had my culture and my language taken away from me for, you know, a couple of generations and now I'm left to pick up the pieces and that's a massive thing to pick up, but you know, it's, it's kind of the, <laughs> the perspective that I've gotten on now, but back in the day, bro, it was, you know, just being hoter to ears, just you know, <laughs> hanging out with some buzzy peeps, but you know, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. It's just out of, out the gate kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> oh, 100%, because <laughs> 100%. <laughs> hey, as they say, all rivers lead home eventually. Oh. Um, it is quite a, a big task when you think about it like that. Like that's a huge tucker, eh? trying to not revive um, the language for your whanau, but it, it sort of pick up the pieces that, that were taken away from our tūpuna as such. So that's yeah, that's a huge tucker to, to take on. But I think this generation, especially in today's day, we have so many tools available to us and there, there are so many initiatives out there to support Māori coming through that this is our era. This is our time to reclaim our mana. We didn't cede sovereignty, so this is our rights. Yeah, 100%, bro. Yeah, like myself being, I guess, I hear people talk about being a product of Kohanga Reo and Kura Kaupapa, which wasn't my route, but me being a kind of a, a product of, I guess, I don't even know what you call it. I guess I went to Tawananga Aotearoa, so a product of, you know, um, seeking that extra help to be able to regain the language. But also just a, a product of, you know, te ao hiko, te ao matahiko, you know, the world of ever-changing, the, the digital world, I guess, some people label it as. So um, having something like your phone just at your fingertips, you're able to pick up, you know, all kinds of resources. And, um, yeah, that's been a massive help for me on my reclamation journey, getting reconnected. Brotherhood, and like you say, having, you know, all that information at our fingertips and being able to build communities in, in you know, the digital age, bro, it's wicked. It helps out so much. Yeah, 100%. In terms of Te Wānanga Aotearoa, how, how long did you go there for? What was that uh, like? Yeah, so I studied up to Te Aupikitanga, which is level six, I think. Um, but yeah, started the journey 20... Oh, what would have been 2019 i think sorry the cop car's about to go past yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really out here man you know <laughs> in the ghetto yeah nah, it's, um, but yeah started yeah i think it was about 2019 uh te maori just basic as beginnings you know the r's your e's the e's the all's the u's all that kind of stuff um and that journey was like really cool um but i heard someone mention about kind of what it's like for a maori to be relearning their language the other day and it's like it actually opened my eyes to my own journey and like let me reflect on it for a second it's like all these people that are super excited about learning this language and they're like oh yeah i got it and then you see the light bulbs going off and that's like awesome and like we get that too but then there's also this like other side of it it's like oh we should have we shouldn't have to go through this at the same time so it's like oh you also get this like 
kind of feeling of like guilt, but not guilt. It's all over the place, but you know, that's that whole you know, intergenerational trauma stuff that you have to hash out and go through. And I guess when you go through it, it's like super rewarding. It's never something that's like you should shy away from necessarily. It's more like you go in there, you get that rewarding feeling and you like reclaim that. And it should be like mana enhancing ads, you know, that's me. Oh, that's, that's. Yeah, all those feelings that you talk about is what I'm currently going through. I'm, where I work, I, I get to learn te reo at the same time. So I work for Te Atarangi Ki Te Kahui Maunga up here in Taranaki. Yeah. And so I'm in that, that beginner stage, um, but it's crack up. So I've, I've, what, over the past year, we've been learning from Heete, Meenga, all the way through to uh, Matawa at the moment. Um, but it's crack up because my uncle who runs it was like, oh, now you're learning it, you might as well teach it, so I'm a kaifirinaki as well. <laughs> Which, bro, you see those moments where the light bulb just turns on and everyone just clicks and, you know, they, they realise that all this scaffolding learning has just put them in this moment where everything clicks and they just go, wow, I didn't realise that this was what I'm capable of. You know, I struggled in the beginning with going herako kōwhai. Right up to now, I'm like, uh stuff like that so it's like that that's those moments that when you see it click for other people you just go yeah that's what it's all about but then like you say on that flip side hey bro you've got that, that raru with the we shouldn't be having to do this yeah definitely i think I, like we had a couple of classes with some people doing you know using the tiatarangi rako and that and bro that was like one of my favorite classes hey like and i'm real like i'm real keen on creating a safe space for people to learn which is something that i realized through learning at tawanonga aotearoa like they're really good at doing things like that and how much better it is when people feel safe and you know they can take a moment to breathe and they're not going to be tested and you know ripped to shreds if they get something wrong because you know back in the day that might have been how people experienced schools but like that, that was like a really cool thing for me sitting down with the sticks and each each of us have the chance to kind of like repeat what the last person said and we all kind of learn together it's yeah uh, it's probably one of my favorite ways of learning to be honest bro. it was me motherhood like like we say it it's all about creating a, a safe space for people to come and you know just feel like they're they're accepted and they belong regardless of if they mess it up because learning te reo shouldn't be scary it should be fun it should be engaging you should be you know um fuck a mana to come in and just give it everything you've got and if you get it wrong uh, so do i i get it wrong heaps <laughs> hard out bro like everyone's saying to us like no mind like bring bring all your you know the things that you get wrong don't let that be an obstacle that's you know all just part of it because if you've got people there that kind of understand that you're learning then you're sweet just say whatever you want as long as you're doing it with like the intention to say something or get a point across you'll get there brotherhood and uh like my uncle says you know you learn best from the mistakes that you make mm. so make mistakes mess it up a thousand times because a thousand and one time and you crack it oh yeah. that's that feeling eh that's oh. that feeling you just can't let go what would be some advice you'd give to people who are you know on the verge of wanting to learn and you know not what what's something that you could say to someone to hopefully push them into coming to learn to um, I think like 
It's tough, eh? Because, like, depending on what your situation is, like, you might have had moments where you have started to learn te reo or, like, you might have been in school during a time where you start to learn how to count to 10 or whatever it is. So I think everybody has a level of understanding of it. But I think it was really apparent to me when I went out, um, went on a bit of an OE and was able to, um, and was able to kind of really understand what language means to people um, depending on where they're from, you know, and how much of it's like an awesome tool it is. Um, you know, you, you go into, like we, we had the chance to go over to France and, you know, everybody there pretty much is able to speak English, but like they would prefer that you spoke French to them, but they also don't want you to speak to them in English like they're stupid, like they don't understand. So it's like this fun little game of like, you know, you learn heaps about a culture, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty massive. But in terms of advice, I'd just say like, take your time. Like there's no rush. Once you get on the waka, there's no getting off. And that's not a scary thing. That's just how life goes. Like you start going and then maybe you kind of pull over for a break for a bit. But next thing you know, like the world that we're in these days, Te Reo Māori is going to be everywhere. So you might as well jump on the waka. <laughs> Hey, don't get left behind at the we jump in now. There's spaces, there's spaces. 100%. 100%. That is some beautiful advice there, my brother, and I appreciate that. Which also helps us segue into this next thing, because I've looked at your Instagram, my bro. You've been all over the motu. <laughs> what was that like? What, what's the, you know, the feeling of experiencing overseas travel like? Uh, it... It's hard to kind of like make sense of really, but like the the thing that kind of resonated with me when people asked me how it was, is like, you know how if you see, like you watch a movie and you're like, oh man, that's a famous person right there. Like, oh, Jason Momoa, uh, and then you bump into him at like, you know, some crazy spot where you're like, here, he's just down the road or something. And you're like, well, that's crazy. It's like that, but like you've seen these places like growing up you've heard of these like different areas and you know the the louvre and the eiffel tower you know you go over to greece and the, you know got all these old monuments and buildings and things like that you hear about all these places and then you wake up there and it's like you're meeting like a famous person every day it's so mean so yeah oh, i definitely right. recommend travel to anybody that's out there like thinking about it now that we can you know post covid everybody's kind of sorted stuff out oh, it's get out there and experience stuff eh? it's cool that's on oh okay then if if you were oh let's go with like a a 15 day trip through europe or maybe maybe we'll go a full month we'll go a full month through europe what's the itinerary what what, what are you uh what are you recommending to people where are we going what, what what are we doing well this was i guess my second trip but like first time actually being able to travel around and do stuff uh, under our own steam and definitely like paris was so on like the going to the louvre definitely honestly the um the eiffel tower is like actually kind of overrated i'm not gonna lie um it might be cool if they've been like looking to go see it but like you go there and it's like there it is cool but like the louvre is insane like for ages i thought that it was just the triangle thing i thought it was just a little moment in the middle and then you go in there and you realize it's the whole building's all the way around it and like there's levels and levels of like amazing little artifact things and you just look at things and you're like how is that possible but also while you're in there don't worry about mona lisa like it's just like just you know go see the other cool stuff that's around all these other things that you can kind of connect to a little bit more it's you know 
Oh, yeah. I heard that's not even the real Mona Lisa. Oh, true. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, bro. Like, <laughs> but yeah, there's some amazing stuff over there, bro. Um, Paris is mean, but also I really like Barcelona or Barcelona, I think they pronounce it as. And um, my my reason being like the food is insane. Like mm-hmm. you go anywhere, anytime, you you're like within five steps of like a main spot for like sangria or like they have vermouth and stuff there too good drinks but then also like paella and just like amazing seafood dishes and oh mm. so good yeah i love today so many you had me at kai brother you had me at kai always <laughs> <laughs> so we got barcelona we got paris where else Mm, I definitely recommend doing like Italy. We did we did quite a few spots in Italy. Um, if I'm following that same trend of like potentially overrated places, Venice. Not gonna lie, we, it was cool for a day, and then we were like, okay, well, you know, where to next? Um, but not to say like, you know, I sound like a real fucking. <laughs> swearing. Is it because they're too touristy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like you, you kind of go there and you're like, okay, cool. This is this is crazy. Like, you know, look at the engineering aspects of it and stuff, and that's real cool. But then you realize that you're kind of spending time in this place that's kind of the same, quite a bit. Whereas like if you go to a place like, oh, we went to Siena, bro. Siena is mean. Florence is mean as well. But Siena was crazy because we turned up during this. Um, what was it called? It was like Conchade de Siena or something like that. And it's like the oldest horse race known to man like that's like the most crazy like they go through this like big square that's normal you just walk through it and then all of a sudden it was just filled with people and there's these horses boosting it around this like concrete floor square and bro it's insane like they they like people go crazy for this like it's like neighborhoods all coming together and like cheering on the horse from their from their neighborhood and stuff it's that's freaking cool way that's real awesome Oh, so we got got a few good spots there, Fano. If you want to go check it out, if you ever get the travel bug, hit up these spaces, bro. That's mean. Yeah. So, which was your favorite, your most favorite to to film and photograph? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, I think probably oh yeah that's tough everywhere was me <laughs> like the thing is it like everywhere you look is like these amazing buildings that have been standing for so long and like everything is all perfectly lined up there's a reason that they built them and they stand for so long is because like everything's just so nice looking um but yeah i think like photography wise shucks i reckon oh santorini would have been sick if we had like good weather so it was like we had like one night where it was just amazing but then the rest of the time it was like kind of like average kind of weather which was still cool like we were in an amazing spot and had mean feeds and you know always good kai but um yeah that spot there is like picturesque as like everywhere you look is just amazing but yeah it's hard to pick a favorite bro it's real hard fair enough brother fair enough everyone who's like really in tune with their craft it's like telling a a a father or a mother to pick their favorite child you know well it should be pretty hard to select some parents might be oh i don't know sometimes sometimes i feel like there's some uh, parents that are like "Mm, this one here 
I know yeah. me and my brothers, there was potentially a couple that were least favourites. <laughs> yeah. I think it's seasonal. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Which then... I'll ask this. It might end up being the same answer, but I'll ask this. Which is the one photograph that you've taken that, that just sits proud of place in, in your heart? Like, what's that one shot that you've captured that you're just like, yeah, this is it? Ooh, yeah, tough. On, on the trip or just in general? Just just in general, throughout all, all your time as a photographer. Um, I think there's been a couple moments where I... I've been on a co-papa where, like, I think it definitely has to be one from home. So, like, we've been on a co-papa and um, actually I went on a trip called Tehekeka earlier on this year. And, like, the group that we had there, we all were able to kind of, like, mesh together. And it's not often that, like, we have, how many do we have? We could, like, 30, 40 people all on this hiding together. It got, like, hectic as because of, like... The, the weather all coming in and like screwing up our ferry trips and stuff like that so we had to go in like the middle of the night crazy stuff um but everybody was on the same buzz everybody was real stoked so that's a bit of a backstory to the trip and then we get to this point where um i more or less grew up like i, I knew this place like you know i've been there multiple times but i hadn't been there with the perspective that this trip had given me so i kind of realized like how much importance this place has and I took this one photo where we were all collectively, um, all of us had all these different walks of life and stuff, but our, our main thing was that we were all trying to reconnect to our kaitahutaka. So we were out there um, for this uh, kind of mahikakai kind of food gathering um, session, I guess, some little morning session of gathering kai. And took this photo and it was like, I don't know, just the way that there was someone in the front there's like obviously doing the mahi kakai practice and then in the back there's all these others as well and then knowing all of their stories like i was like far out this is crazy like we're all in this picture that looks like it's it could have been taken like way back in the day because we're doing all these old practices and stuff. but we just decided to go for a drive that morning and start doing some mahi kakai and i think for me it was like far out it's just it's still in our DNA, like that. That's what that picture kind of represented to me. Was like that's that, these practices, the way we're living, and things that make us feel like we're home. Like that. That was just in that picture. I was like, far out. This is cool. Let's <laughs> oh, see. I love for me uh, throughout my whole university career. It's always been about Pudako, You know those different stories, and I love that with that picture you've got this whole narrative that whole experience that you all together lived it and you get to relive that through this image that, that's amazing is in your opinion that what photography is all about is just capturing those moments those those memories of transporting you back in time yeah yeah i reckon right like it's definitely that and just like the fact that you can kind of be there to capture that moment as well um but also i think being in these spaces i've really found a massive benefit in like not capturing them as well which is a weird thing for a photographer to say and there are a couple <laughs> moments where it's just like okay cool um it's more important that i'm actually present rather than like through a lens um that that's definitely been something that i'm understanding a little bit more now because uh 
or in, in particular this trip really highlighted the fact that i'm really on kopapa working all the time rather than like actually like delving into it and being part of the kopapa um so i think that's probably for me photography it's it's being at the right place at the right time with the right thing whether or not it's a camera or whether or not it's just being there like with yourself um yeah because I, I like we haven't even seen this photo that i'm speaking about but the fact that i'm able to kind of like speak to the experience of it i feel like that's more like photography capturing the moment whether you took the picture or not oh, i love that like, i really do because <clears throat> I'm not really one to to take much photos. Like now, I have to obviously with this um, brand thing that we're going on. I just always forget. But which was going to be a lead on question is how do you manage that? You know, what do you decide to take and what do you decide to just live and be in that moment and experience that that lived experience? Mm, yeah, I think if I'm being paid to be somewhere, I probably should be taking photos. So that's probably <laughs> the first point of call. Like if I'm being paid to be there, I'll. I'll be looking like i'm working at least but um like as a hobby if i'm there taking photos because i enjoy it and then i kind of take a moment to realize like i'm actually here be present for a bit um i think it's always been reflective on where you are your place in space and the people around you as well and why you take photos like having a good why is important no matter what you do like if you're learning to deal if you're being creative if you're choosing a different path to go down like why you're doing it is the, the thing that you're going to hold on to when things get tough so if there's a moment where i think to myself like why am i taking this photo i can't answer that question then potentially i'll put it down unless i've got someone dinging the doorbell <laughs> <laughs> uber eats yeah yeah um unless of course you know someone's paying you then then probably just you know do the job <laughs> I mean, that's some great advice though. Is is definitely fine if you don't have that why, probably don't do it. Hmm. Where I was gonna go to next is you know how did you you know where when was it that photography was the thing for you when when it became that passion that you just were like I want to hone in on this and take it to another level. Um, it's a funny one, eh? Because like. So I guess to give a bit of backstory, leaving high school, um, you know, in Christchurch, we had the, the earthquakes and stuff like that. And there was a bit of a rebuild going on. And that was about the time that I was looking at employment. And I was like, what's, where am I going to go with my life? What's the, what's the, my angle? And um, it turned out that like, I, I jumped into uh, engineering, uh, did that for a bit, studied that for a bit. And just because it seemed like a smart idea. Um, but pretty quickly found that like, I, I don't want to be an engineer, like no offense to any engineers out there, but I found it really, really tricky, boring, but you know, that's, that's just kind of, I, I, I didn't realize that I had a choice really. Like I was like, oh, told to go into this area. This is a good idea. This is safe. You can do this. I'm like, yeah, cool. Jumped in there, started doing it. I could do it, but it was going to take a lot more effort than I feel like it was probably worth in my mind um and i just took a kind of like again just reflecting on where i was at my place in space realized i wasn't i i found three things that i really wanted out of employment so one being i wanted to be able to reconnect with my culture um engineering in a way did that 
but I feel like there was a I, I didn't have as much control over it as I wanted. Um, the other thing being I wanted to travel a bit, so being able to travel New Zealand, travel the world, and the last thing being creative. And I just landed on like taking photos and videos and stuff just purely because I couldn't really draw. Like I, I do stick figures and stuff, I guess. But like if I can buy a camera that's real mean, then you know, that'll do. Um and kind of found that like the the tech side of things as well. So like in my spare time, I, I love playing video games, like video games is my jam, like always doing that as much as possible. And just found like there's a really cool like side mission in um video games that's like the technology part of things so like start looking at building pcs and like oh i need this to be able to match up with this and you know putting these pieces together it felt really like the problem solving aspects of it and then that kind of like the the love for technology and how that is a tool that could enhance things and um that really pushed me in that direction to start looking at cameras and like what's the best camera i can buy what's the best drone i can buy um and i was lucky enough to be working full time so like pretty much every spare penny that i got well penny <laughs> every spare cent that i got was spent on you know technology game um yeah cameras and drones and things like that and um i just kind of fell into that and through some really cool networking sessions i guess got um recommended i speak to um one of the bros at Adiki creative so where i'm currently working um and it was the most like crazy situation because like for so long i was in this really professional world where you turn up wearing like a shirt and like nice pants and shoes and stuff and you're meant to look a certain way and act a certain way and when you apply for a job you have a cv and you talk about your experience and you build yourself up to be this the, the thing that these people want and then i turned up to this dude's like office and then i was like oh you're keen okay me and then doing a job I was like, yeah definitely what the heck i thought this was going to be like way harder to like follow my dreams it's meant to be way harder than this what the heck <laughs> but like honestly if, if i was putting it down to just that moment it sounds easy but really like the build up to it what i had to go through to be able to find the thing that i wanted to do to pursue that um yeah i guess that's that's the hard bit that I didn't realize I was really doing for a reason. Just, you know, my why was always to have those three things, those boxes ticked and have a better life for myself and hopefully for people around me and, you know, just always leaving this place better than how I found it. 100% brother. That's what it's all about, eh, right? Is, is finding the things that you're passionate about and, you know, find ways to make that a reality for you. It might not happen overnight, but when that does click and when, when you do finally get that opportunity to showcase your talents in, in your chosen area that you're passionate about, you'll never work another day in your life because mm. you're doing the things you're passionate about and, and someone pays you to do it. It's a winning situation. Like, like you said, you, you work the job to fund your passion and once that passion starts funding your life, then you've won. That, that's all you can really ask for in life, right? Yeah, exactly. It's always good to be doing something you know you're not going to be able to uh really chase your dreams as fast as you want to if you're like waiting for opportunities so it's really about like you know i didn't know what i wanted to do so in the meantime i'll just do this until i find the thing that i want to do because yeah so much pressure is put on like myself when i was in high school but i'd imagine the 
kids in high school and primary school nowadays as well like what do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to be when you grow up and it's like well if i could answer that life's pretty simple really like if i knew exactly what i wanted to do and there are people out there that you know they, they know what subjects to select to be able to go to university to do the right you know the, that kind of pathway but for me i was just oh, confused as didn't know really what i wanted to do just turn up to school for lunch and you know that's about it <laughs> but you know it's uh, yeah yeah you just kind of put the time in and you work and you get money and then you go and do other stuff i guess i don't know <laughs> i don't know where i was going with that one <laughs> oh no nah, mother it's, it's like that though you just try out a thousand different things if you're still in high school you don't know what you're up to all goods yeah. no one does no one should yeah. you've got ages go figure it out travel uh i don't know take a gap year yeah. go skiing mm. do something you'll find what you're passionate about or it'll come to you yeah. and then when it does it's it's all about just consistency staying consistent with it and and a little bit of luck a little bit of luck doesn't help but it doesn't hurt sorry yeah. <laughs> get you in the right place at the right time yeah you say it, it, it a lot in this interview uh, about reflection how how important has you know having the ability to just step back and reflect on situations helped you to get to where you are today mm, yeah it's been massive for sure um i think it's an important thing to always make sure that you're heading in the, in the direction that you're wanting to as well quite often if you're not really standing for anything then you'll fall for anything as well so when you look at what's where you've been then you know it's a very mildly thing to understand where our people have been and you know who you descend from all the way back to you know the separation of Lungi and papa you know it's all about knowing where you're from because that can give you the confidence to take that next step so reflection is like i feel like it's just the most like indigenous like natural thing to to be able to do you know when you um when you can apply it to your everyday life and uh, you kind of recognize, yeah, like the, the decisions that you make aren't really just on a whim. Like there's a lot of, I guess, pushes and pulls in different directions. And, you know, when things come together in the right way, then that's, it's a result of all of your um, previous decisions, I guess. So unless you take that moment to reflect, then you, you kind of float around a little bit. So it solidifies things, I reckon, for reflection. And I, I agree too. It, it's nice to slow down and take that step back mm. every now and then because life happens so fast, especially when you're always on the go and you've got, you know, co-papa after co-papa and you're just trying to make everything happen all at once. Yeah, it is, it is nice to take that step back, reflect, look at how far you've come to be in the situation that you're in now yeah bro hard out like uh, i would love to say that i'm good at it as well like uh, even though i reference it heaps like to, if i'm reflecting on how much i reflect then potentially i need to reflect more <laughs> i don't know but you know it's i wish i could say that I'm, I'm good at that kind of stuff because then i feel like i'd be a bit more aware of like potential things that could pop up you know creative fatigue or if you start to realize that you're putting yourself too much into a certain place at the right time you know that's where reflection helps but potentially there's some times where i just miss that and you know you get a wee bit too stuck in the ways and you know the the nine to five just kind of becomes a grind again and then 
you could, you actually need to take a step back and be like, oh, okay, and allow yourself to, you know, the, the feelings of, you know, I should be working harder sometimes is not the best option. Sometimes it's to take that little step back and just realize where you're at. That's some great. I think I need to take on a bit more of that advice and reflect a little bit more myself because sometimes hey, by the time you think about reflecting, you're like, oh, I should have done that months ago. Oh, let's carry on. Let's keep going. Hold on, bro. Hold on. It's hectic though, man. It's just sometimes you're just like, nah, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Whatever it happens, it happens. And yeah. sometimes that's the beauty of it, right? Just, just let things flow and evolve however it should. Yeah. Hard out. Let's go with the flow. <laughs> so what are some of your future endeavors that you, you're sort of looking to get yourself involved in over the next, I don't know, let's say three, four years? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, like at the moment, I'm really hoping to get kind of um, my current business off the ground, I guess. So Maxwell Productions, um, I guess the name has a bit of a whakapapa to people around South Taranaki and I'm hoping in me kind of giving this name to a Māori kaupapa, it's changing the narrative a little bit. So um, since it is my name as well, um, I thought I'd try and do my best to make it a positive name. So Maxwell Productions, name of my business out there, trying to do photography, videography for events and all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, that's going to be the biggest thing for me is trying to make that full time. Um, And... I mean, like things look good, but I'm always like keeping myself in check, you know, always got those reflective processes happening because <laughs> it's a bigger step than potentially um, I have ever taken. So, um, yeah, that's that's the big thing. I think um, over the next wee while as well, I'm really trying to invest more time in um, people that potentially aren't as people that don't have the kind of access that I do to like technology and you know I I grew up with a PlayStation 2 and that's all we had for a long time but even though PlayStation 3 and 4 was out it's like there was still fun as so I think um spending time with people that I guess the the thing that lit the fire for me and pushed me in the right direction was you know video games so I want to do something in the video game space I reckon whether that's communities and coming together just to play some video games or, you know, who knows. But I think that's probably another avenue that I want to look at too. Boy, that'd be sick. I'll rate that, man. You got, you got so much so much to take out of that. I guess we'll dive first into into the video games then because, you know, myself, avid gamer, too bad I got no time. You know, like when you're a kid, all the time, all the games, as you get older, all the games, you got all the consoles, but no time. Oh, yeah. Like right now is like school holidays for kids and stuff. I'm like, man, I wish. <laughs> Brotherhood, man, I got a PS5 sitting over there collecting dust. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had this vision here in Aotearoa where we could like create this massive warehouse and just call it like the game factory or something and just set up, you know, PCs, consoles and just upstart the next like generation of esports athletes and streamers just all on the vibe trying to start their own thing in this world of video games because oh yeah there's so many kids jamming video games now because it's safer than playing real sports because they actually test for concussions in kids these days so rugby and league are kind of out of the question after a few head knocks so 
everyone really just turns to video games never how about like my um i i was playing rugby like yeah you know for until well i can't even remember when i stopped playing but um played rugby until i was an adult and then kind of realized that like the injuries and the amount of time it takes is like probably not worth like i'm not going to be an all black really so if i stopped enjoying it then i was gonna probably jump out and then found video games as well and like started playing like competitive call of duty and things like that and i was like oh bro this this gives me like that that competitive fire again it's it's kind of cool and um yeah like working out how to make the best play possible at a certain time but then there's also this just like raw talent aspect that's in there too which i probably don't have anymore but um <laughs> like a, like back in the day watching like um optic gaming and kind of these like uh esports organizations that was like another avenue that kind of sparked that want to do video and photography like seeing these events and seeing how these people can make videos and play video games and get paid i was like well it is doable clearly like <laughs> how do we how do we work that out so like that's kind of yeah like how i ended up liking video games so much that it gave me a job i guess <laughs> it's possible what the heck fatherhood fatherhood yeah. anything is possible these days yeah yeah straight up what's what's some of your go-to games you mentioned call of duty what else do you jam mm. brother Call of Duty definitely it's like even though it's been a couple average years like uh, I think it's it's still gonna be on the consistently grab it list but um I've been watching and almost buying Diablo 4 and Ooh. only up like I've seen only up pop up quite a bit that's been like going crazy um Fortnite as well every now and then I'll jump on some Fortnite um, are your builds or no builds oh no builds no builds like I, I, I'm well and truly like you know i play controller still so like uh, unless i can pick up like <laughs> how to build like crazy all of a sudden like um that skill gap is just too big now so yeah but you know i got the i got the battle royales like the mentality you know yeah <laughs> well oh, bro nah, some of these kids man they can build like that i'm like nah i ain't playing sky tower with you just kill me man yeah far out there's some crazy ones out there like there was a time where we um like i was actually involved with like an esports organization and we had like a fortnite team and bro these kids are crazy like it's actually insane it, yeah like there's um like i even know some people now that like the the training up their kids to be the next like call of duty players or next fortnite players and like they're actually insane like they I can't not see them doing well because they're just so much better than anything I've ever seen. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> Holy heck! But imagine if we had that. Imagine yeah. if we had that coming through <laughs> esport academies, man. <laughs> Bro, that'd be crazy. I think some of the strangest, well, not strangest, but the the sickest thing that I've seen is people transitioning from eSim racing into like real gte cars and things like that i'm like bro what yeah. the heck How's that and they're really actually cool? competitive there's a lot of money in it man yeah yeah that's so, what now like with maximal productions what's the thinking behind that what's what's the vision mm. 
well, I guess like what something that I've found um, over my years of doing like photography and videography is that my style or my like the thing that I'm different with everybody else, I feel like anyway, is um, when it comes to actually like sitting down with the people and getting to know what they're about and what their events about or what, what the deal is. Um, a lot of the time people are just really there to get in, smash out a job and, you know, that's that. Just, you know, go like that with the job and on to the next one. And a lot of people will appreciate that as well because it's, you know, the, the quick turnovers of things and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think my patience is like a massive virtue when it comes to working with our whānau because uh, we potentially come across some, like, awkward situations where like some people might want to be doing some filming with some komatua and they haven't really ever been in front of a camera before or you know but they have this corridor that's like rich as and we need to you know we need to kind of and like archive it or something you know having the having the patience to be able to sit there with them and like actually have them feel like it is just a conversation like that's really rewarding for me and that's something that i feel like i can bring to all kinds of different co-popper whether that's just sitting down with a client in a hui and they actually leave feeling like oh cool yeah nice <laughs> or you know actually being on site and interviewing someone and um that's that's kind of my vibe i think i bring to it but our, our tagline thing is like creating uh creating tonga through visual storytelling so um it's to try and you know realize that what we're creating is tonga it's not just like we just throw it up on the internet and throw it around wherever it's like actually put some time and effort into it and it's something that could be treasured for generations so that's um that's kind of our perspective that's what we want to really bring to the space um just a real care for the craft as well as the people that we're doing it with because that's the important thing you know Wow, that's on. That's on. And you can definitely hear how it's more like a kaupapa Māori approach to it as opposed to like a, a business approach to things because mm. it is more about building those relationships. Like even if it is just a one-off project, it's still about building that, that honga, that connection, eh? Yeah. So that you're able to tell it in a way that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? not uplifts it but you know to that, that lives the essence in which that they're telling the story because you hear some people tell a story and you're just like man the richness that's coming out of that that corridor is just something that you you can't re-describe to someone else because you're just not going to hit the mark as same eh? yeah yeah we definitely found that quite a bit with like there will be some co-papa that come to you and they're they're really just keen for that maori tick kind of thing because it is yeah. you know there, there is a lot of push to be culturally competent and do things the right way and authentic and it really does show when people are authentic or not or just doing it to tick a box kind of thing so um yeah and we've got this thing called tital tanga as well which we like to um continue with like even though we're there to be capturing and doing photos or videos or whatever we're asked to do on the job like we're not above grabbing a tea towel and just mucking in with something, setting up chairs for a porphyry if, you know, there's something that needs to be done. And it's, you know, more important than capturing photos, that, that same thing again. Like, it, it's kind of weird because we're, like, in a way, prioritizing something that isn't what we're doing to get paid for. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. But in a way, like, 
it's humanizing it and you're bringing a person on instead of like just a camera that's going to capture something and you know someone's going to be able to take something away from it a little bit more i feel like yeah especially in tao maori too you, you can kind of tell when, when someone's bullshitting you yeah and you can cut through it eh? so it really is about like i say picking up their tea towel and spending some time out the back to know that to let people know that you're real because mm. i feel like some people think that they're above doing the dishes at the marae that they're above you know um eating last and serving everyone else first that ah oh man mm. we all have our place we all have our time in, in the kitchen to do those dishes 100 percent, bro it was uh something that i i was lucky enough to um sit down and have a call at all with um one of the komato down south um baba thompson who's passed away earlier this year but um he it was something that really stuck with me with his court at all about like um yeah never never just come back and be better than the tea towel like if you want to be reconnected with your marae like like i have tried to be you know just pick up a tea towel it's the the best spot to start like you you go in there and you just help out where you can you you do what you can with what you can you know the fact that and it's more than just like turning up and doing a job but it's also like letting you know that you are enough like anybody can just come in and pick up a tea towel it's not like you have to come back with all these skills and accolades and all these things for them to want you like they just want you to just turn up and if you're there awesome like that's that's the yeah it was something that I, it stuck with me for a long time i was I'm glad i get to like revisit that little memory that's cool hard and the best stories happen in the kitchen too far no if, if you know if you need to know the gossip around town kitchen grab that tea <laughs> towel <laughs> Oh brother, we, we, we've, we've hit that time in the show where where um we dive into our um shoebox. I call this the dream deposit box. Ooh. On the top here it says, "Always remember when they doubted you." Yeah. Um, and inside is everybody's dreams that has come on the show. Uh, we've got things like um, people want to grow within their real um. People want to, you know, start and provide for their family. They want to own land. I want to finish my master's thesis and so on and so on. So it's your turn, my bro, to to put your dreams on a piece of paper in, and we'll bring these to life. So you can have up to three. But, um, mm. yeah, what, what would you like to have us put in this box and one day when people start achieving their dreams, we'll hang them up the back there or photos or just little mementos of them achieving those dreams. Oosh. Yeah. Oh, shucks. Okay. Um, well, firstly, I, I think like being full-time in my business will probably be one of the things that like is something that I can picture happening. And if I can, you know, see it happening, then potentially it's something I can you know, achieve in the near future, hopefully. So being full-time at Maxwell Productions, that would be me. Um, I guess <laughs> it's, yeah, it's weird because I'm not often thinking about like what I want necessarily. I'm always thinking about what those around me because I feel like if I'm if I'm doing well, then that means that other people around me should be doing well. Um, so I guess if my whānau are back on their marae, um, they come to me, come with me to Kopapa. Um, I think that would be a massive thing for me, um, because it shows that they're they're at a, 
a time and place where um, they're ready to make the the same step that I did and potentially they've reached out to me. So a dream would be to be able to go back to my marae with my whanau. Um, yeah. And last one, oh, this, okay, so I reckon, this, uh, yeah, I reckon since 99 Dreams is going to be like a long-term thing, we can check in on this one in like years and years time. But like, I'm hoping that my grandchildren are fluent in Tadeo. Yes. So it's, you know, on on one hand, there's the, the, the one generation that was three generations ago, so my koko, who lost the reo, who wasn't raised with the reo, um, who then taught my father that there was, you know, no value in the who then raised me in a place that potentially doesn't realize that there's any value in the to then being another two generations from there, fully fluent in the involved in the culture and, you know, thriving. So I reckon that would be me. And we'll check oh, back then when I've got grandkids, you know, bro. <laughs> brotherhood, brotherhood. We'll, we'll bring this one back up. It'll come out of the archives. Yeah, yeah Richard, bro. That would be, yeah, that'd be pretty sick. Brotherhood. No, I love that, bro. That, that's awesome, man. And um, that, that's definitely definitely one we will check up on. Yeah, me. Um, when 99 Dreams takes off, brother, we'll, we'll, we'll have to link up and get get you some mahi with us. Yo, yeah, keen, bro. Film, film, some, film some footage with us, my bro. And I, can't, I can't wait for, for these dreams of yours to come true, my bro. These are definitely ones I'm looking forward to pulling out of the deposit box Yo. and ticking off and saying, we, we made these come true. Yeah, bro, man. That's cool. Nah, that's, that's so sick, brother. And thank you so much for sharing those dreams because, you know, it's so hard sometimes to share your dreams because no one really asks about them or yeah. they fuck into your dreams and then you're like, well, what's the point of even having them anymore? Mm. But here at 99 Dreams, we love celebrating other people's dreams and we really want to see them a- achieved because what's life without achieving your dreams and your goals and your aspirations, right? Yeah, I always be striving, you know, set yourself up for a better tomorrow. 100% I don't know <laughs> yeah brother and going off inspirational is um the, the this new part I that I created because this is technically the the first guest for season two mm. which is um what is something you sorry I ought to read it because I wrote this down and I thought this is, this is probably what I hope uh, but what is something you do or want to do that will inspire our rangatahi to chase their dreams Mm. um wow yeah i guess if i kind of put like the the rangatahi version of myself out there somewhere and if i was like this kid this rangatahi um i feel like oh yeah that's tough actually I thought I had an answer. I thought things were going to come to me as I started saying that, but um, right, I, I hope that people realize that even if you're disconnected from culture, even if you're, um, you know, you, you don't have your language, you don't have, you haven't been back to your marae, you haven't done these things that people talk about and um, all that kind of stuff, they, there's still places for you in Te Ao Māori. Like, it's not the kind of thing that's like, you, you don't need prerequisites, you don't need this, you don't need that. Like, if you're Māori, that's it. Like, 
the amount of times that I've heard people asking about like, oh, so how much are, are you one quarter? And, you know, like quantifying it. It's like, nah, nah. If you fuck up a Māori, that's it. That's all you need to be able to, you know, go back to your marae and start asking questions and, you know, find out where you're from. So if there's a rangatahi out there that's like, like me, like me, like what I was, um, I just hope that they would also see that there is value in it because even though some people say that there's not, there's there's definite value in knowing where you're from and yeah, chase it, chase those dreams. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there, there, there's nothing stronger in life than having a strong sense of identity and who you are. Mm. And I, I reckon it all starts with, you know, where we come from, um, mm. from whom we descend. And like you said, Nothing can quantify how much Māori you are. Like, I'm, I'm not a freaking scoop of chips at, at the fish and chip shop. I don't know how much. Yeah. Shit, I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I remember when we, um, when my koko passed away, we're looking through some of his things and we found a birth certificate. And on there had his original birth name, which was Puano. And um, so I carry his middle name, which is Tiaputari but it was mispronounced or misspelt somewhere down the line as Tiaputodi or something like that. So there's all kinds of little things that like, you don't actually realize that you've, you've so much more connected than you realize. Um, but on that, on that birth certificate, it literally says like a uh, child of quarter caste Maori and you know, all these things that like quantify how Maori you are. And there's no reason for it other than to, you know, see, how close they are to not being maori so it's yeah when you realize that and when, when when people try to quantify it you can just stay strong and just be like i'm maori that's that's it yeah brotherhood hey if you want to quantify it uh one third taranaki iwi <laughs> one third tia tia wa, one third ngati maru that's how we quantify how maori i am <laughs> <laughs> hey, so stay stay strong whanau it is tough but um I think with the progression of of our world that we're in now, we, we are a lot more accepting of one another and we, we strive to welcome welcome everyone onto this journey because it's such a beautiful one once you begin. You really won't want to get off whānau. Mm. One last question before we let you go, my bro, and, and this is one of the, the last deep ones we get into, is if you could you know, rewind this video in 10 years, and if you could say something to yourself in 10 years time, look in the camera and just say, Kelda Max, blah, blah, blah. What, what is, what is that something that you would like to say to yourself in five to 10 years? Oh, yeah. Buzzy. Um, see, I'm of, I, I struggle with this kind of stuff a little bit just because like, I never really think about what my life is going to be like. like it's always about others it's always about making sure others are taken care of and all that kind of stuff but if i was to look at this video in 10 years time yeah i guess like the message to them is like just keep having fun like it doesn't matter how old you get like i i really hope that there is still this kind of like this joke that's always running in my mind you know that it's never like a serious moment with me and no matter how serious the situation is like you could always just be like we need to be having fun because if 
the the biggest sign that you're learning something is if you can have a laugh about it because you understand it to the point that you can make a joke of it so for me if, if there's a, a version of me 10 years in the future that isn't laughing and isn't having fun then potentially i'm already gone and that's <laughs> but hopefully not <laughs> max if, if, you, if you're not smiling you're not happy you're not laughing sort your shit out yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> bring it on back brother bring it back man <laughs> ah that, that's awesome brother and that's that's huge too because you know sometimes life life happens and mm. you know just things that are out of our control happen and you lose a sense of who you are or that piece of you that that is that spark and it's it's important to hold on to that wherever possible so that, that is great um you know corded or to to hold for yourself in the future to come back on because you know myself i could you know be down that road where we ain't smiling and having a good time we're not achieving our dreams anymore so you never know mm. we never know yeah no, that's that's awesome and uh, I just want to say a huge mihi to you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, really do appreciate it. Love the poor time, my bro. <laughs> I love that poor time. Same. I love it too, bro. It's me. <laughs> hey, brother. I appreciate you, man. And um, yeah, thank thank you so much for jumping on. We'll definitely have to link up sometime. I got a few, I got quite a few mates down there in Ōtautahi, so I'll definitely make the trip down there sometime. And I'll link up with you. Or next time you're back home in Taranaki, let me know, and we'll, we'll definitely link up, brother. Right, 100%. I'm keen as. Let's do it. Yeah, bro. Keen. Is there anything you want to leave the whanau with at home that are listening or watching on YouTube? Is there anything that you want to say before you get going? Um, nah, just, I guess, like, mihi mai um, Like, thank you very much for this opportunity to just sit down and have a quarter it all. Like, the, the wānanga process is something that I'm still coming to grips with since I wasn't really raised with it and just being okay with sharing thoughts, you know? Um, like, there's there's so much in this for me, like, I'm going to take away from this and your cool little, like, dreams boxes and the fact that you're bringing <laughs> that to people, like, I, th I think it's such a cool kaupapa, bro. So, um, on one hand, I'm, like, mean gears, like, just <laughs> the, out the gate as, like, mean as content awesome so i'm following the journey and stuff and then this next thing i know i'm getting hit with like what are your dreams and i'm like whoa okay <laughs> there's levels to this there's levels to this so there's yeah, levels to this brother just, yeah big mihis to you bro and to all the the whanau up there um putting these you know mean kaupapa together so yeah uh, we appreciate you here brother and um yeah welcome to the 99 dreams whanau plenty of room here at the table for you my cousin um I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how your journey plays out too, my bro. I can't wait to see Maxwell Productions in full effect. I can't wait to, you know, see you guys doing what you do best out on the biggest stages of all. And, you know, I can't wait to you bring bring your co-papa back up home to Taranaki and I'll see you around up here, my bro, because it's going to be on. Oh, yeah, 100%, bro. Keen ears. Cool. Me. I mean, well, Farno, we've reached the end of this podcast. It's been amazing. That's Max Tiwick. I will leave all his social links down below so you can go check them out. Don't forget, cop these portai. They are dropping on the 12th of July, 6 p.m. New Zealand time. Get in, Farno. We have limited style. We, we, once they run out, that's it. These ones are done. We're moving on. <laughs> so don't, don't miss out. Look, they got cool fucker Tokyo on the back. So get in on that, Farno. 
But yeah, like I said, shout out to the brother Max for jumping on. This has been an amazing podcast. Thank you so much, Elhor. This has been on Fano. Take care and until next time, Modiora.